Our scripture for this morning is James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such, and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to the Painted Door. My name is Morgan. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, just thank you for your church. Uh, thank you for all the people you've gathered uh, in your Son, uh, filled with your spirit. Uh, just be with us, Jesus. Uh, just be with our <laughs> afraid hearts, our lazy hearts. Our, uh, just open our ears, Lord. Uh, it's what you have to say to us. In your precious name, amen. Uh, so, <clears throat> this Sunday is uh, fifth Sunday in ordinary time. I'm actually quite thankful that I get to preach uh, an infrequent enough that I can just t- do all the small talk just based off the Christian calendar. Uh, there's like 33, 34-ish uh, ordinary time weeks, and I dare Mark to like try and just do an ordinary thing every single week after week after week. Uh, but anyways... Um, thank you, Christian Calendar, for providing the sermon chit-chat. Uh, but I love Ordinary Time, actually. I love Ordinary Time so much. Um, anything other than Ordinary, to be honest, I can find extremely annoying. Um, annoying primarily, I think, because like my routine is broken. Uh, there's something about routine being broken that totally throws off my personal well-being. Right now, <laughs> right now it's just annoying, uh, but there have been plenty of times in my life where it was anger or rage, um, especially when I, when I wasn't even aware of what was bothering me. At the moment, I need routine to remain a productive member of society and family. Um, I don't have the self-control to, to live otherwise. Um, routine feels like rescue. Uh, a rescue from self most often, but also from others in different ways. Because um, I've known, I've, I've come to know myself that there's a propensity in me to completely detach from day-to-day tasks and people in my life uh, when there is no routine that I just need to get on with. Hours, uh, hours can become days, can become years, uh, completely stuck in fantasy or some form of narcissism. And that propensity is hurtful to others around me, which then leads to me feeling guilty (laughs) and then hopeless and then angry and then detaching, which hurts others, then guilty, then hopelessness, and so on. So routine has like this magical way of erasing the desire in me to just close up on everyone forever. Um, it's just kind of like, well, time time to go to work, Jesus. Or better yet, just doing the chores, Jesus. Um, 
so by ordinary, I just mean the routine where our real lives are playing out, where the day-to-day -day just keeps happening, where your habits and your patterns are set. And I think we would also love to have our ordinary routine be a place where we can completely be ourselves. Uh, that would probably mean, for most of us, that would mean safety. Either in a certain place or with a certain person. But I imagine many of us experience qu quite a bit of difficulty, actually, in reconciling the ordinary and being yourself. Because what we all really want in those things is to be known and to be loved. And probably for most of us, being known or feeling known and loved comes and goes. Actually, maybe never sometimes. Maybe only in our heads. And that is sad. Um, the place in your head, if you can, the place in your head where your real life is happening and your real self you are being. A place where your motives are uncovered and your speech is unfiltered. Is that even possible? A place where all your delusions have stopped. A place where all your fantasies have taken a break. A place where you're not faking it and where you're not performing for anybody. Can any of us, can any of us be that honest? Can anyone know the very center of their soul where you can be any you can't be anything other than your just naked self and then accept love from that place? Proverbs twenty twenty four tells us a man's steps are from the Lord, how then can man understand his way? In Jeremiah seventeen nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So, it doesn't look good, actually, for self-understanding. I don't think any of us can be that honest. Um, but if we can't know ourselves, how can we know anything? If we can't know ourselves, how can we know anything? That feels quite hopeless. <laughs> Uh, so I think we'll just have to proceed on the assumption that we were made for knowing <laughs> regardless of our present condition not looking that great um, so let's try to step away from hopelessness and let's think through some of the types of knowing like what is knowing how do we know that we know um, so the first type a quite simple type is just knowing a fact or knowing like basic, real basic, raw truth information. What is knowing a fact? This seems to me to be the simplest of knowing. It's just a bare cerebral function of having an imprint of truth and information, like in just in your head somewhere. Um, and we, we all have lots of that. Um, what about knowing an idea? This becomes more complicated and, and more fun, depending on the topic. With ideas, knowing becomes like a game of proportions. 
with each idea, you have multiple pieces of truth and information, and you have to begin to think through how each piece of truth fits to another piece of truth. And with all ideas, there are interpretations. And here is where we begin to see that all knowing comes in degrees. Knowing an idea does not necessarily mean having all understanding, but you have some understanding. We can say we know to a point, but in ideas or even skills, I mean, who could say that they even fully know? Because we would all be quite incapable of defining perfection of understanding on any given topic. Um, and so let's, let's ratchet up even a little more complicated. And then what of knowing a person? That's even more complicated. Because we are all fractured. We persons are just bottled up contradictions. And for many of us, the persons and places where we really are ourselves is few and far between. We are fractured in ourselves, and we're fractured with each other. We're one way in this situation, we're one way in that situation. We act one way with this person, we act this other way with that person. And there are behaviors and feelings in each of us that we don't understand at all. Our words are just constantly getting away from us. Uh, and being able to know someone else depends a lot on the other person knowing themselves. So yeah, it's even more complicated. Knowing a person means really only knowing in degrees. And that knowledge just takes the shape of the person who you are knowing, and all their good and all their bad. <clears throat> so then, so what of knowing God? How can we know God? Or are we too broken to know and to be known? And that might seem even more complicated than knowing a human person. But I actually think it's probably it's quite more it's more simple. It only seems more complicated because well God is eternal <laughs> and that blows our minds because it's mind blowing. But how do we know God? Well, we know God because God offers himself to you by grace through faith. The scriptures teach, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So, what is grace and what is faith? Well, first, what is grace? That needs a Trinitarian answer because it is Trinitarian personhood and activity on your behalf. The Father loved with eternal love. The Son assumed our flesh and our death. The Spirit infuses our souls with the life of God. And so grace is this point of friendship with the triune God. And right now, at this moment, we experience that through the indwelling Holy Spirit. This triune fellowship by the presence and energy of the Holy Spirit. And so then what is faith? Faith is 
a gift of spiritual resurrection. There was once all dead in your soul. There now has an eternal flame burning within you. Faith is born with the arrival of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Spirit being the Spirit of Christ. So much so that it is said that Christ dwells in each and every Christian. 1 John 5.4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. But again, being able to know someone else depends a lot on the other person knowing themselves. Here God answers our weaknesses by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except his own spirit within him? So too, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. To have faith, to have faith, is to have the presence of the Holy Spirit. But there is actually a distinction between faith and presence. Faith arises from presence, but it not quite is presence. Faith is something of us. It is ours. It is like... I was sitting on the edge of the bed with Tammy one night, like a couple years ago, we were talking about this, and she just finally said, like, I get it. Faith is a conduit. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, actually, that's a, really, that's a really good way to think of faith. Or to think, it's actually like faith is almost like an app. <laughs> like the Holy Spirit arrives, and you have a new app in you. It's not, it's of us. We believe. We believe, and it's our belief. It's our knowledge. But then there's this presence that is with us that, sustains that and keeps us connected um but it's of us it's like there's a new it's like there's a new organ in us like when when man walked away from god there was a part of him that died and now when the spirit is here with us a part of us now becomes alive again and it is a human faith filled with the spirit it's it's supernatural um so to have faith is to have promise and presence and every promise is yes in Jesus Christ. To have faith is the gift of forgiveness. Yet, for a lot of this, for a lot of us, Christian knowledge remains a very funny and perplexing thing. Or maybe not funny at all, but torturous and withholding. Faith is supernatural, yet... For all of us, at one time or another, most of our day-to-day -day experience of faith was or is a fight to hold on, hold on to something extremely cerebral, and that can be very frustrating, because you know it's supposed to be more than that, but you get stuck holding on to something of the intellect, Christ being either an object of intellectual appreciation and amazement, but with a little experiential knowing, or Christ being an object of intellectual argument, where you might feel that if you stopped arguing with Christ, you would stop believing altogether. The knowing our heart's desire is much deeper than intellectual assent, or being able to play in theology, or 
even being able to connect theology to everyday life, facts and ideas of God are well necessary and certainly have, our, have their place leave us wanting. The knowing that our soul desires is the knowing of Christ's presence in our inner being. From presence known, life together between you and Christ begins to develop, and relationship begins to mature, and memories begin to form. And it is really the center of your soul that where Christ wants, insists on being with you, where you cannot be anything else but your naked self. This is the place where Christ wants to dwell with you. And Christ wants to be with you here in your waking, in your sleeping, in your working, and your resting, in your thinking, in your acting, in your loving and your sinning. We have a free and open relationship with Jesus Christ. And from here, Christ loves you so much. And it's from here that Christ will transform you into his image. And it is from here that Christ will teach you how to follow his ways and to rejoice in his commandments. It is really for every single one of us from the inward out that Christ draws near to his people. And he just begins a whole lifetime of convincing us in you that we are loved. And so, this fight of faith, this fight to know God, is to know him from within as he knows us from within. And in doing that, the questions become less about what do I know and become more about what do I see or what do I feel or who do you love or who do you follow because you can receive all things from the hands of Christ because you are in him and he is in you. To know him from within as he knows us from within is the safety that we all want and need. It is the wisdom that we need. Granted, yes, it does only come in degrees at the moment. We do not fully know. But every fragment of Christ is connected to the whole Christ. And knowing God is unlike any other of the knowing that we experience everywhere else. We no longer have to chase knowledge with God. God searches us day and night, and knowledge grows from within by the presence of God and by the promises of God. Ultimately, knowing God comes down to transformation and perspective. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, and we have the mind of Christ. Knowing him from within is both our routine around us, 
our daily task ahead of us and our eternal award, reward for us. It is who we are and what we do because we can't do anything else. God is with you, Christian. So speak truth when you speak. Like, for example, when you are speaking of the future. So, let us read our scripture for today, James 4, 13 through 17. <clears throat> Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. For whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. <clears throat> so come now, you who say, who is James talking to? Well, I think James is talking to anyone who has had this eternal thought process, an eternal thought process that just happens without Christ. So it might be fantasy or narcissism or fear, but whatever it is, it's an internal thought process without Christ. And to anyone who has had that, he asks, what is your life? <laughs> what is your life? Your life is a life of dependence. No matter who you are or what you're doing, your breath is borrowed from God. Job 14, verse 5, His days are determined, and the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. And you, do not, you cannot stop anything from happening. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And these words are an invitation to faith. These words come from a place of knowing him from within as he knows you from within. And these words will come from a place of being able to look back and see the presence of Christ in your life and begin to just trust his timing and decisions. And by all means, make plans for tomorrow. But your posture is not, we will go here. Your posture is, is, will he bring me there? I will go where he leads. You can trust your heavenly father. Uh, <laughs> trust is hard. <laughs> it really is. Um, and we trust in degrees. And that's okay. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So what is here in our boasting that James is rebuking us in? I mean, geez, all I said I was going to do is go relocate and make some money. <laughs> You're like, man. Uh, but it really is. It's an internal thought process that happens without Christ. It is our inner self ignoring the presence of God. It is a confidence in yourself. It is our pride covering our fear fueling our fantasy or fueling our narcissism. 
And we all have varying degrees of fantasy and narcissism. We live off it. And with it, we let our ambition go ahead of our wisdom. And our dreams become altars where we offer sacrifice after sacrifice to the false gods in our heads. But to live without fantasy, that would be terrifying. Without them, we would live in a pit. But Christ can and will find us. So the main issue here is actually not the words. It is not today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. And the question for these verses is not, well, what should we say instead? The question is, am I with Christ? Do I know God? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I really enjoy James. He just makes these jumps in logic that are just, they're just great. They're like razor sharp. What is the jump in logic between the previous verse to this one? I think the jump here is the main point that James is trying to communicate to us throughout his entire letter. The point is that faith without works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. And James says, show me your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by my deeds. You see that knowing God is being with God. That is number one. And that is generally what we speak about most here at our church and even in the scriptures themselves. But knowing God is also following the God that you are with. And if you do not follow you do not know. And I think, like going back to how do we know ideas, ideas are in proportions. And James is in proportion to Paul. <laughs> and I think the whole point of being in James right now is James in proportion to Paul. Paul would never say, if you do not follow, you do not know. Paul would say, you are known, so follow. And the goal of a Christian in a lot of ways is to just hold these things together <laughs> and trust. In the book of James, we see that God actually, he doesn't hesitate to both give commands to his people and give promises to his people. And as you hear the commands of God, watch your own souls. Christ gives what he commands and rewards what he gives. And in every command, there is a promise. And through faith, you are receiving those promises. Christian obedience is not an obedience of guilt, shame, and fear that propels you to obey. Christian obedience is faith working in love. So when you hear the command, what you need to ask is, where is Christ whom I love? And from there, from that posture, from that desire, you will, you will receive the promises. Because Christian obedience is a presence to be loved and followed. A presence to be followed to your brother or to your sister in Christ. A presence to be followed to your neighbor. 
And so let's go to Luke 12, 22 to 34, and just hear the words of Christ. Christ said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for your life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And then, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give them to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Life with Christ is yours for the taking, Christian. Know him from within as he knows you from within. And, and brothers and sisters, please have compassion on yourselves. You are free, but you are hurting. And God knows that we are very slow and stubborn in letting Jesus Christ be with us in every moment. He wants you to have more of him. And he is patient and loving towards you from the very bottom of his heart. Some of you are weak. Take heart. You are never alone. Know the sweetness of his presence through faith. Some of you are at war. Be strong. The war within us will be playing a tug-of-war till the day we die. But the victory has been won. Live in the gospel of Jesus Christ and fight your fight. Some of you are in rest. Drink deep from the unconditional love of God. His heart overflows to you and his face is shining down upon you. And some of you are in disobedience. Come back. And have no fear.
He speaks your name from the very bottom of his heart. And some of you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So believe on Jesus Christ. To all who believe in his name, he promises eternal life. So, hear all you saints and hear all you sinners. Come and lay your weary heads on the arms of Jesus Christ. He will cleanse you of all your pride and all your self-righteousness. He will cleanse you of all your sin and all your hatreds. He will heal you starting now and forever. So say his name. Say his name in your waking and your sleeping. Say his name in your working and your resting, in your thinking and your acting, in your loving and your sinning. Say his name. Knowing him from within as he knows us from within. Let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your Son, and thank you that he is here with us through your Spirit. Draw near, Jesus. Take our heads out of ourselves, away from mirrors, away from each other even, and help us to look to you, Jesus. The best thing that we can do for ourselves and for each other is to know you. Have mercy on us, Lord. In your precious name, amen.